This is the fourth and final week of the series called Oh Sleeper. For some of you that weren't here, we're going to go through the first three weeks just to kind of recap everything, and then we'll get on with this message. So week one, I talked about waking up to God's will. I talked about um, learning to get into your word, using the word to find out what God's will is for your life, waking up and knowing that that memorizing scripture, learning scripture is good for your heart. I talked about how hiding, when, when David said hiding the word in your heart so that I may not sin against you, he's literally just talking about meditation and memory, using it, putting it into his heart to where he can apply it to his life. Uh, week two, we talked about waking up with your worship, not just in praise, not just in lifting your hands, but also in your obedience or worship also makes you aware. A lot of the times when I get out of worship or if you talk to many other people who love worship, um, a lot of awareness of your life comes alive. And we talked about, um, we also talked about how worship can renew your mind from Romans 12, 1 through 2. And then we, week three, last week we talked about woken prayer. Last week we talked about uh, the story of Jesus in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane and he found his disciples sleeping and Jesus had to literally correct him like, hey, you couldn't spend an hour awake with me. And he mentioned how you have to be on watch and pray because if the spirit is willing, that means the flesh is weak. And we talked about this last week about not spiritually uh, sleeping on prayer, being awakened for prayer, making sure that you are uh, giving yourself the opportunity to truly pray. And I challenged y'all last week um, to pray every time you thought about it, anything that you thought of just to pray for. So let's get into week four for this final week of the series we're going to get into Philippians chapter 2, verses 1, and we're going to go all the way up to 11. Philippians 2, let's start in verse 2, or sorry, verse 1, that's chapter 2, verse 1. So verse 1 says, is there any encouragement belonging to Christ, from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul is making a very intense question because I think in Philippians, a lot of the people in Philippians were afraid to ask that question. Why? Why do you follow Christ? There's a lot of people in this day and age that is, a, is not just skeptical to follow Christ because they're, they're arrogant, but a lot of the times they need proof or they need evidence or they need some type of understanding of why I have to follow Jesus, why do I have to follow your Jesus club? Why do I have to come to this church that y'all go to? Why, why do you believe in this stuff? Were you hoodwinked? Are you just believing it just to believe? Those are actual questions that are legit. They're not bad questions. They're good questions because you don't want to just follow Jesus just because you have to. You want to follow Jesus for the right reasons and the right motives. So these are good questions from Paul. He's asking He's asking the Philippians, he's telling the Philippians the questions that they were asking him. Verse two, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one and purpose. So what Paul is saying is that to know that you are believers, he's referencing Jesus. When Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Paul is saying the same thing, but in a longer example. Loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose, and truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other because we agree on the scripture. Verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. 
This is a very difficult thing for us in the room who have a very hard time not trying to impress other people. Because the world, the culture teaches you to impress people. You're supposed to be impressive. That's what gets you noticed. A lot of people in this culture are noticed because of how good they are at something or how they show it off either on social media or to the people. There is this, there is this dignity when it comes to trying to impress people, trying to be impressive. The perfect example is obviously what's going on with obviously what happened in the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, going into the Super Bowl. These dudes are superstars because they are good at what they do. And some of them don't brag about it, but some of them do, obviously. But the funny thing is that the world wants us to be impressive. But Jesus, through Paul, is explaining something very, very different. He's saying, be humble. How do you be humble? You don't brag. How do you be humble? You don't have to speak everything that's on your mind. How do you be humble? You don't have to react the way you want to react to someone that has hurt you. How do you be humble? You don't have to show somebody that you have made it. You don't have to prove to someone that didn't believe in you. You get what I'm saying? You don't have to impress other people. The Bible says to be humble. And how do you be humble? Being a servant. Why a servant? I'll keep reading. Be humble, thinking of others, verse 3, as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Paul is not saying to negate your needs. Don't don't neglect what you need. But the funny thing is that you kind of also do it at the same time because your needs are met by the Lord when you're in Christ. Now, obviously, you have responsibilities. You got to wear clothes. You got to eat your food. You got to buy food. I'm not saying neglect that. Don't be crazy like that. But what I'm saying is, is that you thinking that everything revolves around the need, that's what becomes the issue. That's why a lot of people are not generous anymore. Maybe because of an event that happened and you've experienced being generous and people were trash about it. But I'm telling you right now, when you decide to do something that scripture is clearly showing that it's more beneficial than you'll get a better experience out of how to be a believer. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. When you take interest in others and look for somebody else's needs, there's something genuine about that. And you have to be genuine about it. You can't just do it because you have to. You can't do it because maybe you're told to. Or, oh, it's just what the Bible says. Yes, the Bible says that, but I know the Lord does not want us to love one another out of a fake mentality. So if loving one another has to be genuine, why can't serving one another be genuine? That's the question. And like I said, you're not neglecting your needs. The Lord cares about what you need. He does. So that's why you have to let him rely on that. Give your needs to the Lord so that you can give Jesus while he was on the earth, always loved taking care of other people. And what does scripture say? Scripture says for us to imitate Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
So what does that mean? If Christ took care of people, that means me as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit has also the obligation and responsibility and the opportunity to take care of other people. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, exactly what I said. And this is how Paul explains it. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God, of equality with God, as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born of a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. On a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The title for tonight for the last message of this series is called Don't Snooze on Obedience. Do not snooze on obedience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that everything that's being said through my, through my voice tonight, I pray, Lord, that it would carry weight. Lord, may you speak through your word, and I pray that it would dig deep within our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, how many of you love sleep? Like, sleep is the best thing in the world. Like, it's the most exciting thing. Personally, for me, I used to be, obviously, obviously, like most teenagers, I used to be a snooze snob. And the reason why I say that is because, like, I didn't have a lot of responsibility until, obviously, until I got older. I was, I was actually just telling Emmanuel, kind of learned this about me. I was homeschooled all my life, and the only social area I had was church. So I, I didn't have a lot of responsibility, and I just went to school at my house. Like I literally did math in my PJs. That's literally what I did. And the funny thing about, about the snoozing part, I learned as an older adult now at 24 that I need to wake up so that I can obviously keep my job. Um, and the funny thing about snoozing is that it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I still snooze now. I still do that now but not as likely, not as much anymore. I, I learn, you kind of learn growing up as it's more responsibility to get up and get it done rather than like, oh, I mean, it might, it might not be that bad. You know, they might, they, might, they might love me later or they'll chew your butt. So you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen when you do that, like obviously with school and stuff like that. But, but snoozing, how, like, okay, how many of you would snooze at least once? Raise your hand. I want to I wanna do a little, a little, statistic. Um, how many of you would snooze twice? Dang, some of y'all don't snooze. You don't snooze? You don't snooze? I'm looking at you, ball. You don't snooze? That's what I'm talking about, right? He gets up, he gets up on time. Um, uh, how many of you snooze three times? Okay. Oh, okay. How many of you snooze more than five times? Oriana. Okay, you want to know how many times I've snoozed one, like, like once in my life? Nine times. I was supposed to be at work for seven. I had an alarm clock for five, 5.05, 5.10, 5.20, 5.30. I had a 5.35 for some reason, 
And then I went all the way up to, like, like I literally snoozed every single, and they have like a 10-minute mark to where, like, it gives you 10 minutes after the snooze, and then it, it, it beeps again. And I remember doing it nine times. Because when you're, when you're half asleep, you're still technically asleep. Like, you don't know how fast the time's going when you're, like, dozed out. So I'm thinking, five minutes, go, five minutes, and then I'll get up. Okay, it was two hours. <laughs> it was two hours. I woke up. I woke up at like 6.50, and my work's like 15 minutes away. So I'm like, oh, I thought it was five minutes. And it, it literally, like, never again have I ever snoozed more than nine times. I've, I think yesterday or, like, the day before, I snoozed maybe four. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not, it's hard for me to get up sometimes, especially if I've, like, stayed up. If you stay up, you get exhausted. But, but usually I don't snooze. But when I snooze, oftentimes when you snooze, it's either, either you stayed up a lot last night and you had a lot of stuff that you did the other day and you're just super duper exhausted. Or let's just get, let's just be brutally honest here. We just don't want to get up. Or we just don't want to go to work. Or we don't want to go to school. Or we don't. Like, if we would be more honest about that and just cut the excuses, usually it's because we just don't want to do that. I want to I wanna shift gears for a second. Some of us in here genuinely don't want to be obedient. Some of us genuinely in here don't want to serve. Just because. You just don't want to. It always comes down to how much is going on in your life and how much motivation you have. And let's, let's tip it with the third one, obedience. God has called some of you to some things that are amazing. Maybe he's called you to be a doctor, a lawyer. I know that's generic. Maybe he's called you to be an engineer. Maybe he's called you to, to preach. I don't know what the case is. Maybe he's called you... For most ladies, for some reason, y'all are called to be a mom and have children. That's obvious, right, for some. But God has called you to something, right? You feel this, this passion or this drive for something. But some of us are snoozing it. Some of you in this room are snoozing it, whether it's sin whether it's a purpose in your life that God is obviously giving you the drive to do, it's a big deal. If God's calling you, you a pretty big deal if God's calling. I mean, God calls everyone, but like that's still significant. The creator of the universe is calling you to something magnificent and you snoozing it off shows either something's going on in your life or maybe you're not as passionate as you think you would have wanted to be about it. Spiritually, we all have a snooze button. Maybe God has put something on your heart and you keep putting it off. It could be other things too. I had a list, um, like witnessing to a friend. Maybe there's a close friend that you know, that you know they need Jesus, that, that if they knew who Jesus was, they would be healed, fulfilled. Maybe it's reading your word more. We talked about that two weeks ago, reading your word, memorizing the word, taking it in for yourself. Or maybe, look, let's just, let's just rip the band-aid off. Maybe even serving in the church or doing something to service of the Lord. Maybe some people are afraid. A lot of people, some people have service hurt. Some people have those things. And you are, and God's calling you to something. 
and you keep procrastinating. We, I use a snooze button because obviously this is a sleeping series. So I said, don't snooze. But what I'm saying is, is that you keep playing something off. You keep procrastinating God's calling on your life. So I want to challenge you tonight. That's why I say don't snooze on obedience. Because did you know that God calling you to something and you not walking with God in it and just completely ignoring it is just as bad as sin? Sometimes I honestly think that you not obeying what God's called you to do is, can be sin. Because anything God says, hey, this is what you should do, I believe this will benefit your life. To the point of saying also don't do this because this will not benefit your life. It's disobedience and obedience. Also, halfway obedience is still disobedience. Obeying halfway is still disobedience. I can give you an example. God called Saul. This is the Old Testament Saul. This is when, with David and whatnot. Saul was called, Saul, Saul was supposed to fight in this village, in this place, and wipe out the whole village, including the king. God told him to do this. And Saul kept the king as a prize. Is that full obedience? Obviously not. Halfway of what God told you to do is still disobedience. That's why Saul lost his anointing. That's why David took his anointing to be king, because Saul halfway obeyed. Saul did not complete what God told him to do. Question, are you spiritually hitting the snooze button? My challenge for you tonight, and we're going to get into this deep. Stop. Don't sleep any longer on this because God has something significant in your life and you might be intimidated or insecure. I don't know what the case is, but I'm telling you right now, when you bypass those things of the enemy that are trying to stop you, you will be victorious and you will benefit from the calling. I'm telling you right now, the moment I, if you, if you discussed with me at 12 years old, I would have never public, like public spoke. Dude, I had to give, I had to give a, I had a little homeschool group and we did it at a, at a, at a Baptist church, which was weird, but we did it at a church and we were supposed to give an analogy on something and I had to be on, and y'all, it was less than this. It was probably like five peeps, just probably where y'all are at, five people, five or six people. Dude, you can see me. It wasn't just my hands. It was my legs. I was like shaking. I couldn't, like, I, like, you can hear my, my voice, like, crackle. Like, I, I thought I was going to cry. I really wasn't. I was just freaking petrified. I was scared. If you would have told 12-year-old me to preach like this, I wouldn't have done it at that time. But because I trusted the Lord in whatever he was going to bring me, I get to be here preaching the way that I preach, not just because it's just, oh, you, why are you so, why are you just really good? No. I did not want to do this, case in point. So your calling's important. Your calling is significant. And it's time to stop snoozing it off. Mark chapter 13, verse 36 through 37 says, Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you, I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Don't let Jesus find you hitting the snooze button spiritually. It's time to wake up and get up. 
This scripture is talking about the coming day of Jesus' return, but it also gives an example on learning how to stay in obedience even when no one else is watching or seeing. Your goal is to stay spiritually awake because you're snoo- you're not just snoozing people. You're not just snoozing church. That's one thing. Some people might not witness, might not see that. But God ultimately always sees when there is a snooze. But it's important to be obedient. Let's jump to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. This is an analogy. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. That's a little intense. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer and gather food from from the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack like an armed robber. So, technically, he's saying we're lazy bones. That's, who he, that's what he's referencing. So, what he's ex- given an example of is obviously, in the context, if you really read it, it's just talking about work. He's talk- there's a scripture that says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what scripture says. If you don't work, you can't eat. And in that culture, they had to work to make the food, to eat. They would go- there was a bunch of agricultural stuff. But even in this day and age, if you don't go to work and get your money, you can't. You can't eat. Well, obviously, right now, some of y'all are on y'all's parents, so I can't really. It's not a good example. But what I'm saying is, is that it is an example of being obedient because you want to, to him, to the Lord. Like, for example, a lot of us can relate to this. Um, for some of us, and we've all done this. We've all we've all been through it. When you're when your parent, your mom or dad asks you to, I don't know, do dishes, take out the trash. Mine was the trash. And you would take out the trash, and you did it, obviously, because they asked. But every time I did it, I just did it because I had to, obviously. A lot of us do it because we have to. You don't find joy. And taking out the trash. You don't find joy like, man, I'm just ready to take out the trash today. Mom, you're not like that. You don't pull that off. You, can, you Nobody's excited to wash dishes. Like me and my wife have a dishwasher now. Oh, my gosh. It's the best thing ever because I don't have to hand wash anything anymore. We used to hand wash from before. But, it, but it's the best experience because I don't have to wash dishes. You don't, you don't get excited for that. When your parent asks you to, because obviously they're your authority, you have this experience of like, man, I just have to do it. You just have to. But the difference about this in our walk with Christ is that God will never force us into obedience and service. I'm telling you right now, nobody is forcing you to serve. Nobody is forcing you to be obedient. You have a free will. I've talked about this multiple times. You have the free will to make any decision you want anytime a decision to do good, a decision to do bad, a decision to do great, a decision to sin. You have your own decisions. You have a free will to make decisions. It's not forced. Whatever God 
let me go back. God will never force you into obedience or service, but he calls us and promises blessings when we do. Whatever God is asking you to do in your life, don't hit the snooze button any longer. Serve where God is calling you to serve. Obey where God is calling you to obey. The bottom line is wake up and serve. The bottom line of all of this is to wake up and serve. This is not a message to advertise, oh, get on the serve team. This is not an advertisement. You should be serving your neighbor. You should be serving that close friend of yours. You should be serving people you care about. You should be serving people that you don't even know. You know how weird it is as me as just a regular human being to have new faces in the room and for me to serve you? How weird is that? I don't even know you. God does. And the beautiful part of it is that if God knows you, that means I get the opportunity to know you. And the funny thing is, is that service happens when you don't know anyone. Jesus fed 5,000 people. The disciples didn't know a single name. That's 5,000 people. I don't know anyone. Look, I don't know anyone that knows 5,000 names. I don't know anyone that can remember 5,000 names. But I do know this. Jesus knew every name. Jesus saw every person. The Bible actually says he was filled with compassion when he saw the 5,000. And he knew their name. But the funny thing is, is that he's calling us, even if we don't know them, to serve them. Why? Because we have the influence of the Holy Spirit to serve and to obey. So the challenge is to wake up and serve. Wake up and obey. It's a, it's a message that needs to hit your heart because a lot of the times, like, like I said, like I felt it during worship to talk about baggage. But maybe baggage, just as an example, maybe your baggage is stopping you from the obedience or it's stopping you from the serving that you do genuinely feel like you want to. But the baggage is holding you back. The baggage is holding you thin. Let's get back to Philippians 2, and then we're going to finish this off. Jesus gave up his rights and laid down his life to serve us. It was incredibly painful and uncomfortable and difficult, but he did it willingly. Um, and I put back up uh, Philippians uh, verse, let's go to verse 6. I think that's where it starts, where he starts talking about it. Yeah. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Next verse. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. If we are called to imitate Christ, we are called to serve and be humble. We are called to have a purpose to love God and love others. That is the purpose. Everything else falls aligned with it. But we're called to love God and love others. Jesus even said in the scriptures, he says, if you take care of the widow, if you go visit the person in the prison, if you take care of these people, it's like you're taking care of me. When you take care of people, that's important to Jesus. Because he makes the example that when you take care of people, it's like you're taking care of him. And that's important to him. 
Everything about God's kingdom is opposite from the world. The world would teach you to look out for yourself. Like I said, don't neglect your needs. But to only think of yourself is crazy. Because obviously I think about myself, I think about my needs, I think about what I, what I need and have to do. But if I think about everything about me and never think about Sarah, there's a, there's a ripple effect in that. There's a ripple effect. And this is why the relationship with God aligns with the marriage. Because the moment that you get married or the moment that you say I do, you are signing up to sacrifice your life. You are willing to sacrifice. And look, next, next month is a relationship series. So maybe we can dig into that a little bit more. But what I'm saying is, is that you are learning. You have to learn to sacrifice because that's what you're going to have to do in a relationship regardless. A relationship does not, it does not require selfishness. Nor does it endorse it. Each relationship has a unique idea of sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice your own needs sometimes. I'm not saying all the time. But sometimes for the needs of others. God's kingdom teaches us to lay down our lives for others. We are called to serve those around us by prioritizing them. How can you prioritize somebody this week? How can you prioritize someone this week? Look, there is a, there is a level of that, all right? There's a level of that. Because obviously, just to be honest with you, my wife's needs come first before y'all's. That's, that's given. I, I, none of y'all have a ring on your finger with mine, so you, obviously not. But she comes first. And it's the same thing with you. Maybe there's something in your life that has to be put first before others. That's reasonable. I'm telling you, it's, it's okay. But there's going to be a couple of times where it's going to be like, all right, I need to sacrifice this off of me. And I have to genuinely sacrifice and put their needs in front of mine. Not because I just want to be a good person. Not just because I want to show off. There should be a genuine motive to take care of someone. There should be a genuine motive to take care of someone's needs. Don't, listen. You can't always use it as a bad motive because the bad motive comes to this. Either you're using that person or you're just, you're just doing it because you like them. This is also in relationships. I don't take care of my wife just because I'm like, oh my gosh, I like Sarah. I love Sarah, obviously. But the funny thing is, is that the decision to sacrifice is love. It's not just a, a, a biochemical feeling. It's truly a decision. Even when I don't feel it, I will do it. That is a note for every girl looking for a boyfriend and every guy looking for a girlfriend. You need to find someone. Let's just say here, you need to find someone that is willing to sacrifice, but it should never be it should never be it should never be a 100 to 0. It should be 50-50 down the line. Every relationship has to be a 50-50 thing every time. Yeah, okay, so you're willing to take a bullet for her or him, but are you willing to listen to their perspective? Yeah, yeah, Mark's like, no. <laughs> True color. No, I'm joking. Um, the funny thing is, is that when it comes down to that, we, we'll take a bullet for a family member, but are you willing to listen to the... It's all about, 
It's not just about the life giving of the physical, oh, I'll just die for them. That's great. That's noble. But the moment that you make them feel unheard, the moment that you make them feel insignificant, the moment that you make them feel like what they say does not matter, you are being selfish. You are truly not sacrificing, and I'm going to dig this into next month. You are not sacrificing, and your perspective could be right. But why not take a moment to hear to where you can just understand? We have, we have mixed up understanding and being right wrong. We've mixed the two. They have, I have to be right. I can't understand because I got to be right. No, you can be right and understand. You can be completely correct and understand. Take that note. Huh? What did I say? See, when I preach it, look, here's the one thing. When I preach, like that was out of my, that was not in my notes. So when I don't, I forget. So you can be right in understanding. Thank you. Right. You have to be. Because if you're not, this is why most, this is why most marriages end in a divorce. This is why most relationships end up in a breakup. Because a lot of those two people do not understand. That's the, that's the image of service. The image of service is understanding and sacrificing. Now look, don't get me wrong. If I am completely wrong and I keep tugging it, Sarah will tell me. If she tugging too much, I will tell her. But the matter of the fact is, is that both are heard. That's the point. Service is not just laying a life or taking a bullet. Most of the time, the greatest sacrifice is to lay down the pride, to lay down what you think, and to see through another lens. That is called looking in another perspective, looking at another lens. Here's the application, then we're going to close. Prioritize others above yourself. Listen, prioritizing others above yourself, like I said, does not neglect you. But what it does is that it teaches you to learn how to sacrifice like Christ sacrificed. It's the perfect example of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my needs go for just a little bit and, give, it, and give, my, give my attention to somebody else's needs. Imagine, we get so aggravated when it's like, man, they just, like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I, I, I got to take care of me. You didn't think Jesus thought he had to take care of him when he had to go to the cross? When he had to bleed and die for you and I sin? He literally told God, take this cup from me, but if it is your will, I will do it. Basically, what Jesus was saying was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. But Lord, if this is what you want, if this is what needs to happen, let yours be done and not mine. The goal of sacrifice is to shut this off and see someone else. Basically, what that means is that you're going into an eagle eye view. You're not in a first person view anymore when you're learning how to sacrifice for other people. You're in an eagle eye view. You're above where you're at. You're seeing what maybe you have not seen before from someone. It's the putting, in, putting yourself in their shoes mentality. You're learning to sacrifice by serving others. 
prioritize others above yourself. And as this series closes, I want to challenge you very heavily right now. Spiritually, spiritual slumber is the scariest place to be. Because you can be in church, you can lift your hands physically, you can do all of these things, but to never... And look, this is, not, this is not a scare tactic. I'm just being honest with you. Jesus will tell people that they cannot enter heaven just because they casted demons out. Oh, we casted demons in your name. We did all of this in your name. He will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you wicked person of iniquity. That's what he's going to say to people who genuinely thought that they had it. Spiritual slumber is one of those things. I truly believe that. Because you can be in church all your life. You can be in church every single day thinking it is your ticket to heaven. But the true beauty of what Christianity is about is you believing that Jesus died, rose from the dead, died for your sin. And when you repent and turn to him, you are given new life. You're giving new blessings. You're given all of these things through what the scripture promises. That is new life. What does that also mean? That your life's not the same after that. You should never come to Christ and be the same person leaving. It doesn't make sense. How can Christ be some a, a powerful person who changes people and you walk out not changed? The question is, is the self-examination. Where in my life do I need to walk away from and follow the Lord's will? for my life, to where I can get out of spiritual slumber. This whole series is based off of spiritual habits. To wake them up, you need to pray, Holy Spirit, help me wake these things up. Holy Spirit, help me arise in my spiritual habits. Holy Spirit, help me. Because some of it, you can do it in your own will. Yeah, you can pray for five days, but in that moment, you don't want to. What needs to happen? I call on the Holy Spirit. I call on him for him to help me get through this so I can continue to be with him. Spiritual habits often work when you have the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit. And my question tonight to you is that, do you need the Holy Spirit to help you? Do you need truly the Holy Spirit to help you? Because for some of us, it might just be as simple as just turning the switch back on. But for some of us, it's like, man, like I really truly need the Holy Spirit to help me turn on these spiritual habits because I feel like I've been asleep for a long time. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for a moment. If we can get the lights down, please. Oh, I've got it. Um, as we have our eyes closed and our head bowed, I want you to focus on the Holy Spirit. So as we focus, I want you to focus on the Holy Spirit. I want you to focus on the Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, I need your help with receiving you. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help with these spiritual habits. Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, I need you. Just ask him right now.
Holy Spirit, I need your help. I want, I want to dive into the word. I want to worship with all my heart. I want to pray. I want to have a connection with you and talk to you. I want to love others. I want to serve others. I want this, but I feel like something is stopping me. that's the case, I believe it is spiritual slumber that the Lord wants to awaken through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just awaken our soul. And we say, oh sleeper, rise from your slumber. I pray that we would come alive within the confines of the Holy Spirit in through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let nothing else take the Holy Spirit's place in giving us a spiritual habit. Lord, I pray that we would consider you. That we would consider these habits. Lord, that as we focus upon you and ask for your help, Lord, we know that you can give us the power and the strength and the spiritual drive to do these things. Father, I just pray, Lord, that everyone in this room, Lord, who needs a refreshing from you so that they can awaken the spiritual habits in their life, I pray that you would do it for them right now. Lord, that if there's any doubt or any insecurity or any type of shame stopping them from waking these spiritual habits, Lord, I pray that you would speak truth to them, that you would speak life to them, Lord, so that they can receive true power from your Holy Spirit. From your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would learn these spiritual habits and Lord keep them Lord I pray that they would become consistent in our lives because we know Lord that's what's giving us life it's your word it's talking to you it's worshiping you it's obeying you Lord it's serving you and others Lord that is what's giving us true life not even just that Lord but having a deep connection with you you hearing us you responding to our cry, hearing what we have to say, Lord. You give us life. You give us breath. So I just pray, Lord, that we would awaken spiritually from the slumber, from these things. And I pray that our habits would arise this year for 2024. Lord, as we come to the end of January, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we continue on to this year, that we would not stop following you, that we wouldn't stop loving you, that we wouldn't stop serving you, and that you wouldn't stop chasing after us. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that our relationship with you as, as individuals would increase as we follow and find and try to find, Lord, you and who you are through the scriptures, through prayer. praise to you. We just thank you, Lord, that you are awakening right now every heart. 
that needs the habits to arise so that we can truly live our life the way you called us to, so that we can be blessed and bless others through it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.